0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. The United States uh, law today, uh, as interpreted about 20 years ago by the Supreme Court, allows colleges and universities to put a thumb on the scale uh, based upon a student's race or ethnicity. In the case of Harvard and other elite universities, That thumb on the scale is now diminishing the opportunity of Asian Americans to be admitted while boosting the likelihood that African Americans, Hispanics and whites will will be admitted.
1: What you just heard was a recording of Edward Blum. Now, if that name doesn't mean something to you, it certainly should and you should read up as much on him as possible. He's the man who won at the Supreme Court and was able to wipe out decades of progress getting the University of North Carolina and Harvard to get rid of all their affirmative action initiatives in regards to bringing in students of color. And if you listen to what he says, he's very smart. He's described as a conservative litigant, which basically means that he's a strategist. He is a legal strategist and his strategy works and is working. He spent decades devoted decades of his life to winning that case and he was just getting started
0: welcome to another episode of the brown and black podcast my name is jack rico and i'm mike Sargent. And every week, we take a look at race and pop culture through a brown and black let. Well, Mike, there's two stories I want to get into on this episode, and one of them has to do with AI and its impact on people of color. And the white backlash continues, Mike, but now they're going after Latino interns. And brother, once you start going after the Latino interns,
1: the future looks bleak. It's time to wake up. Before I jump into everything we're going to talk about here, Jack, I just want to say that I am very glad we're talking about this. And I want to say, to preface this episode, I feel that this is what's happening right now. What we're going to be talking about in this episode should be a call to action. There has never been a more, in my opinion, important, vital time for brown and black unity than there is right now.
0: So I'm scrolling through my phone and I bump into this story on the Washington Post that the Smithsonian Latino Museum, and we've had the former director here on the Brown and Black Show where we've discussed the Latino Museum. They normally come from not just around the country, but around the world to learn about the nation, our our origins, how we came together, why we are the strongest nation in the world. And to not have 500 years of history that explains the role, not just of the Spanish and the Mexican, but Central Americans that actually worked and cooperated and supported and provided resources and food to George Washington's troops. I mean, Nobody even talks about that. I think what we'll do is we'll put a link in the YouTube show notes so you guys can check it out. But right now they're going through a fundraising process that costs about $350 million to get off the ground. And it probably won't see the light of day, Mike, at least for another decade. And it's already showing a resistance from this person that decided to sue the Smithsonian Latino Museum. And you know what he went after? The interns. Yes. The Smithsonian's yes. internship program, yes. which is, by the way, designed to increase Latino representation In museums. When you go to museums, Mike, how many Latinos do you see? Dude. dude, Like our people there. Dude. Nothing. So in the article, it says that only 5% of museum positions are filled by Latinos. Wow. Therefore, if we have a Smithsonian Latino Museum, we can start grooming you to become a part of the career in the industry of museums with Latino perspectives about America. Don't you think that's a beautiful thing? And this guy came after that. To me, that's the equivalent of a Carmudgeon walking into a kid's playground and saying enough, shut up. No more noise, no more playing. It's like, you're the ultimate Scrooge completely. No one's allowed to have fun except you guys. And I still don't understand,
1: what the hell did we do to you? Dude. What would set this guy um, off like I don't know, but I'll tell you my take on what you just said, because I want to go deep here. What does it mean? It's a 12-week Latino Studies undergraduate internship. This this happened a a year after Congress approved the Latino Museum in 2020. So, this is part (laughs) of the Smithsonian which is as established as it gets in terms of the preservation of the history of America. It doesn't get any bigger or more prestigious than the Smithsonian, am I correct? So this is an internship for a Latino's studies undergraduate internship. Let me emphasize that, Latino studies. What does that mean? This means the study of Latino history. This means people who are interested (laughs) in Latino studies. Now, let me just say this, to to quote Barner Hesse anthropology is the study of non-white cultures. So for a white person to be interested in Latino studies, that's anthropology. But for a Latino to learn their own history, that's empowering. That's life-changing. That's creating a whole new future because you have a better understanding of your past. That is setting up a real future. That is power. That is knowledge. Stopping a Latino from having access to their own history. That is really what, to me, comes into what you are calling diabolical. Because they're doing the same thing with black history, as we well know. So to me, this is the same thing. Absolutely. It's a
0: white backlash from a group of white people that cannot allow the rise in any possible way, and they're going after the pipelines, man. They're like, hey, where are the 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 pipelines? The, the workshops. Where, where where are they being created? What's the manufacturing warehouse? Let's head over there. And then once we have it, we can blow it up from the root. Put laws that can be codified into the state laws.
1: Dude, yeah, and he,
0: that dude, come dude, on, that's Machiavelli.
1: He, here's my thought on that, because I want to play a clip to you. This is Stacey Abrams' take on Edward Blum.
0: There's no way to avoid being sued because it's working. Uh, the The attacks on DEI are directly a response to the effectiveness. Mike, what this reminds me of is Reconstruction. Mm. Right after the Civil War, mm. Lincoln's assassinated. And there's an attack, basically, on the presidency, on all the executives going on. There was a master plan that went from the Confederates all the way to Canada, and it was to stop black people from rising. And when they couldn't stop it, you get the Reconstruction era. And it was an amazing 14 years, Mike, that whites could not allow. Years later, flashing decades later, you get the Black Wall Street annihilation, because that's what it was. It was Armageddon and, on Black and, and Wall let Street. Let
1: me just tell you, Black Wall Street is just the one you know about. There are eight other. Well, St. Louis. There, there are eight The St. Louis there Massacre. 13 other right. massacres, 13, There were 12 other massacres, 13 total. But yeah, all like what you said, a backlash, white backlash to black prosperity.
0: Exactly. So I think that this is the cause, but this guy seems hell bent, Mike, on going back to the 1800s somehow and stopping and impeding any type of forward movement by Latinos and blacks, because he seems to be protecting Asians from his perspective. Listen. So somehow they're allowed to be defended, but we're not. Latinos and blacks are not.
1: Listen, they are deeming Asians, and Asians talk about this in social media, as being white adjacent. And when you're white adjacent, what does that really mean? That just means that you are, in my opinion, it just means- Benefit from white Right, not just that. Let me get to the bigger picture. Because China and Asia and Asian cultures are a dominant force financially, technologically, and in many ways on this planet. So, they have to acknowledge them. So, they'd rather keep them as allies and keep the rest of us out because here's the thing, you say it and you say it and and we say it amongst ourselves, but I cannot emphasize enough. You just said they're coming for brown and black. And here's the thing that really struck out to me because I didn't hear any Latino voices talking about what was happening when they got rid of affirmative action. I didn't hear it. Maybe it was being spoken mm-hmm. about, but I didn't hear it. I didn't feel it was like, like it was in the black community. And I know there's this division between, we talked about it on the show, between the Latino community and the black community. It's part of why we do the show. But you know what? As Maya Angelou said. The truth is, none of us can be free until everybody is free. And the bottom line is, th- there's this famous quote from Martin Niemöller, because it came to mind when, when you said you were going to do this. And he says, First, they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then, they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then, they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then, they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. And I say that <sighs> to say that, you know what? Don't wait. To not acknowledge if, yeah, they were coming after black folks, they were coming after DEI, they were coming specifically, but guess what? It's you. It's us. It's all of us are facing the same threat. In my opinion, this is an attack. It's a strategic attack. It's the art of war. They're winning before we even know that there was a battle going on.
0: Dude, we haven't even seen the shock and awe assault. No. That will eventually hit us. No where it becomes overwhelming it's every single thing and we saw it with the gannett episode that we were talking about the white backlash
1: yes. that's happening yes. in newsrooms now yes it's happening in every sector Dude, it's of society happening everywhere every, every sector, sector of society
0: education news media
1: it's happening everywhere folks but like wake up that's wake thank you wake up. up if there was ever a time and if you listen to this show if you are not all about brown and black unity. You're at least curious. I say any friends that you have that are not, get them to wake. Edward Blum is the tip of the spear. And he's great because he doesn't seem like he's a tip about him, but he's working with all these organizations. Oh, he's trying to protect this. Oh, this is really about white, blacks, brown and black and white people. Oh, We have to help the, It's, it's all bullshit to dismantle everything that has, as Stacey Abrams said, that has been successful, that has leveled, the playing field.
0: You sent me, Mike, on Instagram. You had DM me the story about Tyler Perry and uh, OpenAI's Sora, which is this new AI technology that stunned and shocked Tyler Perry so much that the man had to pause an $800 million investment where he was going to expand 12 warehouse sound stages. That's Mike. (laughs) That's a lot of space. That's a lot of people you would hire. And he says, the AI technology is so sick that I don't even know if I'm going to need this. And he said he felt really bad for the people whose jobs are going to be lost because of this. So I wanted to talk about this with you in particular because you're a filmmaker, brother. And as a filmmaker, how did this Tyler Perry reaction resonate with you? As a black
1: filmmaker. As a black filmmaker, to unpack this a little bit, because I feel there are a lot of layers to this. I think that Tyler Perry, to pause what he's doing and to, let's just say, make a media event out of it, says that he realizes that there's more to it than just, do I need more sound stages? Because who's going to be affected most by these sound stages? All right, perhaps the carpenters, all the people who do all that building, all that work, all that money that would have been spent, all the wood, all the this, all the all the money that would have gone back into the economy. Not to mention the people whose work, all the artisans who, who would have done that work. Now, what does that really mean? Think about this for a second. All the artisans, all the people who work and build sets and have been building sets and set builders and all the people in a gigantic swath of the industry who do all that work are going to potentially be out of a job now every industry is going to be affected all kinds across the board that are going to be changed. And in the film industry tyler perry is someone who's always trying to give more work to people of color so those carpenters those builders those would have been people of color look where he is look what he would have done he would have tried to as long as Edward Blum didn't find out and then (laughs) so he knows how this will affect the industry because that's just tip of the iceberg the the, the way in which AI is going to really affect the industry in my opinion is from every aspect of craft and artistry that, that takes years of study and years of school and you go into debt you want to be an artist you want to be you want to work on any of these films you're in debt Trying to get this job. And once 70% of those jobs are done, once he realizes I don't have to spend 800 million, I could spend 250 million and I can do everything with one gigantic green screen stage. Okay.
0: <clears throat> the first thing that hits me is not so much the observation. Clearly, it, the statement has been stated. We know what's going on. We know how this could affect people of color, how technology and advancements in technology always catch people off guard. I remind a lot of people about legacy media and magazines, Time Inc., how when digital media came in, nobody really, ah, you know, those guys are the, they're the minor leagues. They'll never get to us. And then they took over. Now we're seeing the implosion of the digital media giving way to a new technology in AI and social media. Now, that's the way we're consuming news now, through apps. You slowly start going, this seems like a cycle. And it's always catching us off guard, Mike. And here's the existential question. Who's accountable? Who's responsible? When every 20 years, an iPhone will come out, a GPT will come out, a Sora will come out. Is it our duty and responsibility to preserve the status quo for eternity impeding progress because damn man i just don't want to learn another craft ah it's too much so no progress for civilization let's just stay dumb for the rest of our lives that way i can maintain my income but i don't want to progress i'm too tired I'm too old for this shit. Or is it up to the worker to say, holy shit. At what point do we stop progress for the comfortability of a society, of a community?
1: <clears throat> My answer to that is one word, ethics. What are the ethics of any technological development and what are the ethics of the governing body that's going to oversee how that technological development will affect the various industries? AI is advancing faster than any legislation or any government. We're all caught up with all kinds of stupidity and impeachments and the two parties fighting. Our government, I have to say, unfortunately, like I always say, I don't feel that like we're an advanced civilization. So AI is advancing so rapidly, okay, that, that there's... Right now, I'm inundated on social media with, hey, have you wanted to write a novel? Hey, you could write that novel. Don't you wish you could have written that thing? Don't you wish you just, you don't have to, no longer do you have to hire this, no longer do you have to do this, do no, you not? Everything that AI is doing is say, you no longer have to pay for any expertise. You no longer have to get an illustrator. You no longer have to get... Uh, you have to Creativity at, is at is that cr- your fingertips. fingertips. Yes. Creativity is at your fingertips. And hey, just give us the, the, your your money and, and we'll help you fulfill your dreams. People are not thinking. They're not thinking. I'll give you an example. My dad had to... And I'm helping him with this. He's got a pension. My dad was a principal, and he retired. He has a good pension and everything. And But every couple of years to continue his pension, he has to really send in a proof of life. That proof of life is a photo of him and with a, a paper, like a newspaper of current newspaper. How long before that's invalid? How long before that could be completely faked by AI? So, a lot of things, there are a lot of invisible things, in my opinion, that are going to uh, invisible industries, invisible things that are happening that we don't take into account. And in in my opinion, it's very similar to what we were talking about earlier in the show. There's a lot of things that, that are invisible to those who are not looking, who are not thinking. There's hidden discrimination. The same way they, the same way like band aids or hearing aids or flesh colored crayons. All these things are like hidden discrimination. You didn't realize. Oh, if you're black, there is no band aid for you, or their hearing aids are all flesh colored. Oh, why is flesh look nothing like my flesh? So all those hidden things are all the things that I think that when somebody like Tyler Perry realizes the potential of Sora, whoa,
0: Hi. <clears throat> Let me hit you up with this then, ethically speaking. You and I right now are are recording on an AI device. Now, this could have been a producer that we could have paid. Why are we choosing not to do that? And let's say we did get the producer and this came out. This app, this AI app that allows us to do this. Should he protest and say, you will not use this AI as long as I am here? And I plan on being here until I die. And I'm just 20 years old. So if this guy takes care of himself, that's 80 years that I can't progress because I have to have him here. So my question is, where is the center between capitalism, technological advancement, social progress, cultural progress, all types of progress? What do you do as a business person Do you take the side of the person that isn't advancing or made a bad decision? Or do I go with the AI that helps me to do this project seamlessly, quickly, and for nothing?
1: My answer to that is adapt. I think there's no choice but to adapt. And I'm glad you brought this up that, that we're recording the show. I'll go further. I'll go further than just the having an engineer and going into a studio to record this. All kinds of technology has allowed us to sit in our respective homes and record something at high quality and then be able to edit it and do everything all w- w- with a keyboard. With it. We have no big equipment. We don't need it. Any... So let me just tell you. Many recording studios went out of business over from like the 80s till to 2000 as technology well, changed. So many, when technologies like GarageBand and things like that came along, many recording studios, many pieces of equipment, people that made equipment, synthesizers, companies went out of business. All of that, everything eventually, people who made horseshoes eventually Went out of business. So, people who turned, who changed the job, somebody used to have to turn the, the light the lamps on the street at night, the lamplighters. So, eventually, you have to adapt. I am someone who started in radio. So, you started in radio, but we do podcasts now. We do podcasts now mm-hmm. because we had to adapt. We had to adapt and we adapt. And as we adapt and as the culture changes, okay. Everything changes. What we're recording right now, just to be completely transparent, we're on. Squadcast was a new technology along with Riverside and Zencaster. But then one of those technologies started to dominate and it changed the whole industry. And then another technology came in that allowed us to do things we couldn't do. And now Squadcast, owned by a company that transformed the industry because the industry had switched to podcasting because podcasting became a thing because people, everybody and their mother has a podcast. It became an industry that could be fed, that needed better technology. So if you come back to an industry like film, green screen and digital technology and digital effects completely wiped out all those people who used to do special effects and build models and all that stuff. All those movies we grew up in, Star Wars and all that, and the models and that's a long, if you meet some old guy who used to build models, great, but it's all computer now. It's all digital now. Okay. Now, so, how do you then stop this? You thing? can't, stop I mean, it. you it, cannot stop it. It's unstoppable. But, okay. But, and again, this is the part, the science fiction part for me, where the hope is that there's an ethical. And things that are applied to these things. A, an ethical alignment. An ethical alignment based on the fact that we are evolved enough to know better. But unfortunately, that's not how humans work.
0: Bottom line if you don't adapt,
1: you will die. <laughs>
0: That's it for this episode of Brown and Black. If you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Your help will allow us to be heard by many more people. You can follow our comments and opinions on at Brown Black Podcast on Instagram, threads, and YouTube. We'll see you on the next episode of Brown and Black.